Hello everyone, I'm Nick Floyd and I made this podcast as a fun way to stay connected with my friends by talking about movies, TV shows, games, and music. We'll start off our pilot episode by talking about pilot episodes we each wanted to share. This first episode, we'll start with some introductions, so strap in and get ready for the Couch Potato Master Debaters. Did he say strap in or strap off? Wait, wait, you, you want my credentials as a sci-fi fan? What, you want to know what I do? <laughs> <laughs> Lay it out there. Just put it on the table. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I, uh, I'm the host. Uh, this is Nick Floyd. I am the GM at Sonic Drive-In. I have, like, zero credentials as movie critic or anything. I threw together a podcast just to... Just to stay in touch with friends with the way that we have for years, which is through movies, TV shows, and games. Married for two years, have two kids, and living out in South Dakota. Yeah, that's about it. Dad, I'll let you go next. <laughs> okay. Um, I've seen more movies than all of you, so that makes me a resident expert. <laughs> um, I've got four kids, and thanks to Nick, I now have seven grandkids. Um, currently unemployed. Um, so I'm In between buddy. project management jobs, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I watch a lot of TV. Um, I think when Nick was little, I got him uh, what was that, Nick? Was the uh, Evil Dead, the trilogy, the Sam Freeman trilogy? Yeah, and Evil Dead, Evil Dead, Dead 2, and Army of Darkness, all on VHS in the same day. Wasn't even my birthday or Christmas or anything, just came home with them. Oh, that's great. And introduced you into some of the other classics like Jason and the Argonauts. And Ray Harryhausen the movies, yeah. The original King Kong, which, yep, Ray Harryhausen. No, original King Kong was not Ray Harryhausen. Um, it was not. I, we've looked this up before. Um, oh, well, it was Ray Harryhausen's uh, technique that was used, the stop motion. Yes, but it was the technique that inspired Ray Harryhausen. King Kong ah, was one of okay. the first ones of its kind. Um, hold on, I'm... I'm you know what? I could be wrong, but thank God for the internet, because I've got, like, the internet movie database ready to fly right now. Um, so, my last bit is that when uh, COVID hit, for Christmas 2019, just in time for quarantine, um, we bought a new TV. So, quarantine was bad for me. I was working and had an 82 inch TV to watch everything on. Size matters, guys. I don't care what the women tell you, size matters. Willis O'Brien was the um, animator, the 3D animator for the original King Kong. He did the stop motion, yeah. Because Ray Harryhausen like, did stuff starting from, I think, the 50s. And original King Kong was 1933. Hey, that stop motion was in movies all the way up till Jurassic Park. Yeah, they had test footage for Jurassic Park with um, stop yeah. motion animation. 
it would have been a way different looking movie. But we can't even get through introductions before we've gone through like three or four movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, great. <laughs> um, all right, I, I want to jump in if you don't mind. Yeah, let's, no, let's go to Ryan. All right, I'm Ryan. I met Nick when we were in ADP, that's advanced college classes back in high school. Uh, our first co-op, co-op was a, a radio porno. It was a lot of fun. Oh, we I remember that. Yeah. Our co-workers into doing the voice parts for it. Wait, you never told your dad this? Oh, my bad. I'm oh, no, no. A it was, I was surprised the people who were willing to be involved versus the ones who were not. <laughs> yeah, so we went with a classic porn uh, friggin' script. We, had, we were pipe layers and plumbers. It was terrible. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know where that is today. It could be lost on the database over at PPCC, but uh, you know, it's, it's on somebody's box. little cassette tape hidden in a box in their basement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. That's where all my ABC shit is. Found out now I have four kids, so I got a four kids and three moms. I'm a, I'm a busy guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's all news to me. We're going to circle back around to that later. <laughs> we'll have to slice into that cake another night. But yes, uh, right now I work in the asbestos field. So I remove uh, asbestos out of houses. I basically had to break shit and clean it up. And I really like breaking stuff. I hate cleaning it up. But, you know, I've been a dad, so I'm used to cleaning up stuff that's hazardous to my health. So kind of a small step away from, you know, dad work anyway. Yeah. Uh, Movie-wise, uh, love comedies, love horrors. Absolutely love comedy horrors. Um, oh. oh, God. Anything Trey Parker, Matt Stone, all the trauma movies. Uh, basically everything you guys listed off earlier, earlier from Sam Raimi. Uh, I, I like B-movies, movies that you watch and just grab your head because it hurts so bad to watch the terrible acting. Yes, I love I watching bad movies. You guys want a good, bad movie to watch? That Carl Urban, like, back in his, like, college acting days, and it's called The Irrefutable Truth About Demons. Look it up. Horrible movie. One of the first things I bought when I, like, got my first job and there was a Blockbuster nearby. Kids listening, if you don't know what a Blockbuster is, just go Google it. <laughs> it's like Redbox, only a building. <laughs> yes. It's like instead of ordering movies from the comfort of your home and streaming them, you would walk out in the blistering heat and have to walk around people you don't like and hope to God that the video store had what you were looking for. <laughs> uh, I'm more inclined to the uh, frigid cold that you would have to walk through. Yes. Yeah, but admit it, you guys miss Blockbuster. Sometimes. Sense, like being able to physically hold the case, being able to kind of make a judgment based on the, uh, the art on the front, maybe what I read in the back. Yeah, but I miss it for the video I game rentals. Part time at Blockbuster. When I was in the Air Force, I was active duty Air Force and working part time at Blockbuster, and I still managed to get in my five movies a week that we got for free. The other mm. nice thing was um, when they would take the previously viewed and sell them. 
go into the system and see which copy was viewed the least amount of times, and so that was most likely going to be in good shape. So we yeah. knew it was going to go pick. <laughs> and then we got 20% discount on top of all that when we bought these movies. So that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So, so if um, you like scary comedies, please tell me that Shaun of the Dead is one of your favorites. Oh, it's... It's up there. Uh, it's definitely up there. Uh, one of the I, most terrible funny movies I watched is called Zombievers. <laughs> terrible. Just terrible. I can't believe you brought up Shaun of the Dead and Tom is not in this call. Like, Have you seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Yes. That deserves its own episode. When you met Alan Tudyk, had he started aging yet? Because he's one of those no, actors that you're him. like, he's just been like 30 years old for about 20 years. Like Sam Elliott. He's no Paul Rudd, but... Oh, no kidding, right? Um, well, the fourth voice you're hearing is Andrew. Uh, Andrew, yeah. you want to go ahead? Yeah, my name is Andrew Cunning. Um, I met Nick while we in the bad old days of working at Walmart. Yes, Walmart, which <laughs> we refer to as the Vietnam War. That'd be a good point to interject and let everyone know listening that the opinions expressed by the people in this podcast are theirs and theirs alone and do not reflect the companies they work for. Sonic Drive-In <laughs> has no investment whatsoever on what I have to say about movies. It's weird because, you know, there's some lawyer out there going through podcasts going like, which one didn't give the warning so I could sue their ass? <laughs> Right. Say, well, let's see. Um, currently, I'm married. But it's awesome. So I'm okay. I know. You get to keep all your money. Can you yeah. imagine? You have a free <laughs> Saturday sleep. night, and you don't have I to correspond sleep. with jack shit about what you want to do. <laughs> no, I get to sleep. Hey, Nick, make sure you write in the baby book your first, your first full night of sleep. Um, I usually stay up till like one or two in the morning and then just wake up when the next feeding happens at like 9 a.m. Uh, I don't sleep a lot, but it's partly my fault because I just can't get to sleep for some reason before like, I don't know, 1 a.m. Yeah, it's pretty difficult with, for me as well. Um, for whatever reason, always uh, I've always been a night out, which kind of... You know, I was watching PBS's, um, no, no, PNT's uh, Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs. Um, you were staying up all night? 
Yes, USA up all night with Gilbert Godfrey and whatever that chick was. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah. Oh man, watching Toxic Avenger and all the the trauma movies. Um, I'm watching like Troll, which is a just wonderful, just fantasy movie, but it's a B movie. It's, it's a B movie, <laughs> but it's still fun. Uh, Race with this like car, this dude who comes back from the dead and exacts his revenge, and it actually stars a uh, Charlie Sheen. Holy crap! Oh, guys, I'm so damn old that when I was young and couldn't go to sleep, well, it was too damn bad because TV signed off at midnight. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I would never watch uh, Outer Limits would come on right before the TV would cut out for me. See, and I was the age where like I would get my TV prepped. So as a family, we'd watch TV in the living room, and I knew, like, all right, it's getting near the end of the night. I'm going to go into my room and turn the brightness way down and turn the volume all the way down. So when I turn on my TV in the middle of the night, nobody's awakened. <laughs> Dad, do you ever remember coming into my room and going, like, what the hell are you doing watching TV? No, I don't remember. I've slept since then. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I yeah, got, we, like... We had... And then we had a local station, and we had local yokels on there. I mean, like in the afternoons for kids, Channel 11, the local station, had a guy by the name of Icky Torp, <laughs> who had, what a name. it looked like Moa Howard had stuck his tongue in an electrical outlet, frizzed out his hair, and just put a undersized cowboy hat on top of that. <laughs> that was Icky Torp. That was the quality stuff I had. Yes, nothing but high quality stuff on this show. <laughs> oh, yeah, so a UHF oh. channel, though, it would have like Speed Racer and Little Rascals. <laughs> oh, nice. Alright, I think I'm no, going to kick this off uh, chronological order. How does that sound? Cool. So, Oldest we're going to start. Youngest. Do what? Oldest or youngest? Oldest. Uh, the the first show that aired in our little roundup here. So, what we got on the agenda is Star Trek DS9, Deep Space Nine, the Family Guy's first episode, Firefly's first episode, Black Dynamite's first episode, and Invincible. Yeah. I did like that. Well, that kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, should we go through all the shows, or are we just kind of cut straight to the end for Invincible's final scene in the first episode? I want to try to go through the most, and honestly, if I'm, I'm on there, I, gotta, I mean, well, yeah, spoiler alert or nothing like that, before we move forward, like, hey, if you haven't watched these, uh, too effing bad, you're, you're jacked, buddy. So, Star Trek Deep Space Nine was Andrew's choice. He actually had three choices and I chose Deep Space Nine for him because I'd already seen the first episode recently. I was like, shit, easy win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Star Trek Deep Space Nine released on January 3rd, 1993. I can't believe I was still living in California at the time. 
because most of my memories of Deep Space Nine are when we lived in Colorado, like in 96 and there on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was kind of my experience with Deep Space Nine. I kind of jumped in around season four and just held on uh, for the ride. And it was great. It was one, to me, it's one of the best Star Trek series, but that's personal opinion. Um, you know, I've, I always found PNG to be a little more episodic. And so, yep. while yes, they were a traveling ship. And, of course, no, we're not seeing all the events that are occurring in between the downtime. When we're coming in, there's usually an event. Yeah, you could get... With the ship. You could get Star Trek The Next Generation full storyline with just season premieres and season finales. Because that's basically when they could do two-part episodes and stuff, and the characters change from season to season as opposed to episode and episode. That was because of damn syndication. The Next Generation came out, TV stations were like, give us all the episodes, we'll air them whenever the hell we feel like. And when Deep Space Nine came out, they said, listen, Next Generation's a big hit. You better let us call some shots. One of those shots is we want these aired in a certain order. And so Deep Space Nine, yeah, I would argue on paper is the best Star Trek series of the 20th century. Like, seriously, the writing and the acting kind of topples all the other ones. Next Generation is my favorite and will always be, but I totally understand why Deep Space Nine would be a Star Trek fan's favorite. Well, so we kind of brought up those two-parter episodes, and one of those two-parter episodes was Best of Both Worlds. (laughs) Best of Both Worlds, uh, if most people don't realize this, Riker's story in a way because he wanted to be on Enterprise and he wanted to be captain of Enterprise and he got both at a cost yeah and so he so yeah alright so in this, in that episode John Luke Picard captain of the USS Enterprise gets abducted by the board and he is assimilated a and shocking moment. Knowledge. Go ahead. No, no, it's just at the time watching that as a kid, I'm like, oh my god, Captain Picard yes. is bored. My little brain can't wrap my mind around this. But go ahead. Well, yeah, it's about it. Not a lot of uh, shows at that time would hijack a main character. That was like, it was too jarring for a lot of people. So, like, right? doing something like that, that was genius. And then Deep Space Nine was one of the first shows to, like, start showing things chronologically and have an overlying story arc per season, which wasn't usual. They kind of, like, paved the way for stuff like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, that serialized, that, that progressive story towards something. Um, so, yeah, uh, Picard becomes Lacunus, and so the board cube makes its attack on the Federation heading towards Earth, and to stop them, the Federation get cobbles some ships together, and so begins the Battle of Wolf 359. 
Okay, so oh, whatever you're, we're jumping. Sorry. <laughs> if any of you miss what's going on with Deep Space Nine, just go look up a synopsis online. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm only here for deeper ex, uh, ex, explanations towards how this is going to affect the series, who these people are, and what we, what are we leading ourselves into? Yeah, we're uh, we're huge Star Trek nerds. I love how the other people are like, ooh, ooh, hold on a second. We're getting another person. Thomas, are you there? Buddy, I am so sorry. How's it going? You're good. We're just, we're in the middle of talking about Deep Space Nine. Um, real quick, just introduce yourself, who you are, when we met, whatever you feel like sharing. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. I, I, um, you know, I'm Thomas. I don't know. That's kind of on the spot there, huh? I never really thought about that. I'm just some guy who collects things and likes to talk about weird little things, but I don't know. I've been watching The Boys lately. I've been watching the third season, which was really good. Um, so good. Then I play a lot of Magic. Yeah, same here. That works. That's my commander. Really? I've been getting into Commander lately. Oh, I, I dig it because when it comes to more expensive cards, you just need one. You just need <laughs> one of it. That is exactly it. Have you seen those new cards that came out? I ended up buying a box of the Double Masters 2022. Oh. It was, it, yeah, it was a move. I ended up trading a bunch of cards to get a good chunk of the pay for it, but it ended up, yeah, I mean, it came up profitable. It was like uh, five five hundred and sixty bucks worth of cards, but I didn't get that uh, that stamp, that seal, like the yeah, 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 sticky yeah. card. Okay, so yeah, we're discussing these first nine. We are in the um, celestial temple. Celestial temple. Um, it's the wormhole. Uh, Cisco is now having to talk to the wormhole aliens prophets. Um, the they don't understand linear time, and they are trying to get better understanding. Well, through Cisco's own actions, probably his own thoughts, he keeps bringing them because he's able to. Whatever he's thinking is kind of where they're going to go. And his thoughts keep going back to the death of his wife. Yeah, because they don't understand. Like, Cisco thinks that they are bringing him to certain places on purpose. As it turns out, Cisco keeps right, his feelings say, keep bringing, bringing him back. Here? This hurts. Yeah, and his feelings keep bringing him back to the thing that hurts him. And they're like, why do you exist now? Why do you exist in this period? And he's like, because... I, I couldn't I couldn't do what was right. Like we move in linear time. I the actions that I took I led me her. to this and I, I don't know. Her. Yeah. Um, um she was crushed by steel scaffolding. I'm surprised it wasn't rocks considering TNG and rocks falling out of apartments. <laughs> We're in a spaceship made of metal. Where'd the rocks come from? <laughs> it was the rock gallery right above her. Just bad luck. <laughs> all the samples they kept they all with them they just storm in random places and explode right i i think there was a piece of concentrated dark matter that landed on her <laughs> right <laughs> so he manages to explain linear time he is a he is a physic he is of the physical they are of the ethereal um, some, there are some rumors that these are probably might have been Majorans who evolved and left long ago. 
possibly yeah. considering their uh, care and want uh, and care for Bajor. Um, but he manages to kind of work with them and explain things, and this allows people to now trans- transfer from the Alpha Quadrant to the, uh, what is it, the yeah. I mean, or Delta? Sometimes you just need to send in the token black eye to smooth things out with the celestial aliens. So you can use the little subway to go from Alpha to the Gamma Quadrant. Yes, the Gamma Quadrant. Is it the Gamma or is it the Delta? No, it is Gamma. <laughs> Delta Quadrant is where the Borg are from. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Which is interesting because with... Uh, Cisco's backstory with the board, you would think they'd be able to have some episodes you know, with the board. No. Voyager got, they were the only ones who were going to be able to have that. Which is fine. I mean, there's plenty going on with that wormhole without having to bring the board into it. Don't get me right. wrong, I um, love the board, but. If, if you had heard me call the Cardassians the Dominion, mm, mm, <laughs> the Dominion is the uh, alien race. It's an alien race They're the new bad aliens guys. who live on the opposite side of the wormhole. Yeah. We opened up a wormhole and suddenly there's more bad guys there. What a yes. good writing tactic. <laughs> but like Romulans aren't bad enough, Cadassians aren't bad enough. What's up, the Annie? Let's, let's get some, let's get some uh, a completely insane, just different race. And all that really, it worked for him. Thankfully. Well, all that's going on with like Cisco and everything. He's like away from the space station. He doesn't know what's happening. Because like at the space station, they're trying to bluff some people that they have a bunch of weapons. Like right. Kira knows what to say. There. They want to know what happened to Gold Ducat because he also followed into the wormhole and yeah. has not come back. Yeah, he's just like lost in there. So, what happened to them? Well, the Cardassians are a, you know, they're warlike. They're very military uh, doctrine. Um, Your trial comes after they decide if you're guilty or innocent. Yes. <laughs> That's the kind yes. of society. So, Kira Nerys, our resident Bajoran, former rebel, is head of the station at this point, having to bluff against the, Card- the Cardassians who are really angry that Gold Ducat is missing and they're ready to bluff the damn station. Yeah. Kill everybody. They don't care. They want him back. Yeah. That sounds like a Cardassian. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want Caitlyn um, Jenner anymore. Give us Bruce or we'll blow up the station. <laughs> And now you're canceled. <laughs> so, uh, with Benjamin Sisko being able to work it out with the wormhole aliens profits, uh, he is a, next thing you know, you see the small, the shuttlecraft, the runabout leaving the wormhole, dragging the shuttle or whatever of Gold Ducat behind him as they exit the wormhole. Yay, everyone made it. No one died in the first episode. No red shirts? No, no red shirts. Man, maybe some people died. No, wait. There was 
when the, the Cardassians do start attacking the station, and there are casualties, at least injuries, on the Commandant, and Bashir has to go run out and, and save them. Oh, yeah. You know how, like, they put explosives in all of the control panels, so whenever they get attacked, like, everyone working at a control panel just gets messed up? Yep, a lot of that. So, as far as the pilot episode for, for Star Trek, it's one of the better ones. It compares yeah. to uh, Encounter at Farpoint. Uh, it definitely is a good entry. Um, as far as the first season behind it, Catch duet, and then kind of if you want to and you just can't stand it, watch duet, and then move on to the second season. Okay. And if you need to, Please. just skip the episodes with Kai Wen. I don't know if any yes. you know who Kai Wen is. Kai Wen is the actress is Nurse Ratchet from One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. I know this because sometimes after watching episodes with Kai Wen, I need to watch the scene where Jack Nicholson chokes her until she like. <laughs> starts to black out because good lord her character is freaking rotten like oh yeah with the religious um yeah it's just... the analogy of like the religious figure who's rising up in ranks only for more political favor and control just... and angry that cisco was became the emissary for the prophets yeah. what couldn't she she She's was a rotten woman why did they choose not to use her? She was always faithful. Um, oh, manipulative, worm dung. So, if you had to give a letter letter grade, Andrew, what would you give uh, episode one, Deep Space Nine? I'd give it for its pilot episode. I'd give it. An, I'd give it an eight. I would give it an eight. Oh, that's a rest of the I I would give it a B. Only because of that moment that they're kind of copying Next Generation's yeah. first episode of defending humanity against aliens. They did something different, a little bit different, yes. where he had to explain time. But, I mean, yeah, introducing the characters, they did it pretty quickly, succinctly. It never felt like out of place. They just, you were along for the ride. And this place, over the seasons, becomes home to a lot of fans. Yeah. And it's out in the outer reaches of space. The one sanctuary you've got. So, uh, Dad, did you watch this episode? Is he still with no. us? Did we lose him too? Yes, I did. No, I'm here. Oh, okay. I, uh, just when I, I had everything on so you guys wouldn't have to hear the cough. Oh. <laughs> I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> um, no, for me, I'm, I'm the old fart who remembers when the original Star Trek was aired. Um, as a little kid, I, I was like seven or eight when that came out. Seven and two months later, I, I turned eight. So um, it was the coolest thing on TV. Of course, you know, now when I look at it, you look back, and it's kind of reminds me a little bit of the older Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. Yep. Decent storylines, crap production value. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but as a kid, I was really into them when I was younger. So good. 
but yeah, it was. Um, so when they came out with Next Generation, I started watching that. But honestly, uh, I kind of got a little bored with it because the universe just got too big. There was too so much stuff that it was unless you really kept up with it, you could get lost. Yeah. On a certain level, you could still enjoy watching it, but um, if you really wanted to keep up with everything, you really had to invest a lot in it, all of Star Trek. Because if you just jumped into Deep Space Nine, it wouldn't have near as much meaning if you hadn't seen Next Generation. This is you didn't have to yeah. necessarily see the original Star Trek, but being familiar with the next generation really added more to Deep Space yeah. Nine. You're absolutely right, because the threat, they kind of distort Gene Roddenberry's um, kind of things vision. There is strife, there is turmoil, and the Federation ends up having to do some things that may be That's right. Gene Roddenberry had this idea that like humanity can be saved with enough technology. The idea of Deep Space Nine as technology is frustrating. PC load letter, what the fuck does that mean? Like, technology gets better, but we still have to work with it and struggle and struggle with each other. And I, I, I think that Rod makes Barry, it a little more real. I wonder what Rod Perry would think about technology and social media. <laughs> I think it has kind of the opposite impact he would hope for. Yeah. I think we would have a lesser opinion of humanity at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ryan, did you watch the episode? I did. I actually watched it, oh, God, years ago. My my parents, family, everybody, we were big Star Trek people as well. Okay. So, my mom, mom raised me on Next Gen. I found uh, the original after that, and I watched that for a while. And then I remember when I was younger watching Deep Space Nine, I'm like, Wow, that's a lot going on. This kind of feels like a lot of adult stuff. Yeah. Okay, whatever, and I just flip through. So <laughs> looking back now, I can appreciate it a lot more now than I did the first time I've seen it. Being able to uh, connect with the different political things that are going on, the cultural aspects of it, especially the religious bit. I mean, it can really make a lot of correlations with things that were going on in that time in our world alone. So it was a really interesting um uh, for me, it was really good to see it a second time. But I enjoyed it. I really liked it. Um, young me said, oh, no, too much drama there. I'm not laughing enough. Me now, I, I can definitely appreciate it a lot more and give it the uh, attention I think it deserves. Because like you, you nailed it earlier when you said there was a lot of really good acting. There's a lot of people who knew what they were doing. There's some bad acting, but I think maybe yeah. we noticed the bad acting more because of so many good actors that were there. Yeah. So much raw talent. Okay. So oh, yeah. let's see, uh, we had an eight, and then we had a B. So I guess I got to go with a different kind of thing entirely. I'll have to give it two Snickers. And <laughs> uh, we haven't really established a rating system. So. No. <laughs> That's true, Dad. What's your rating system on this? I give it a B. Yeah, I would say a B. It's surprising because. The later parts of the series get so much better. Yeah. I mean, this show puts the fleet in Starfleet 
and those who have seen it, you'll know. The reason I give it a B is because if you were a Star Trek fan, it was rock solid for you. Yeah. What it wasn't great about doing was growing the Star Trek fan base. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was it was rock solid with the the existing fans. And, and let me clarify: it didn't bring in new people like Next Generation did. Yeah, Next Generation, I mean, exploded, and there was nothing else like it. But it had the original Star Trek that everybody knew about. And so it already had a built-in knowledge base, uh, but it was such a high step compared to the original Star Trek. It was done so much better. Um, but yeah, so Deep Space Nine was rock solid for the, the space fans. Um, but it, it wasn't, it didn't really hit new territory to pull in new fans. That's why it yeah. did a B rather than an A. Yeah, and I would say one of the huge was actually the premise of the show. It was about station. People were like, well, why would I want to watch a show that just takes place in the same place for crazy places? Well, Gunsmoke lasted 20 years, and they were always yeah. <laughs> Go Gunsmoke. But yeah, I always remember that being complained from... Uh, Trekkie fans, they just lie when I, it doesn't go anywhere. Okay. 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 That's terrible, but you do you. Thomas, did you get a chance to watch it? I didn't get to see Star Trek, man. I, I tried to get out my fire stick, wasn't there. I just, I, I tried. No, but I you did find me a little gem. Yeah, um, <laughs> I did. Deep you Space know, 69? Deep Space 69 is hilarious. I'm like, it's pretty much same animation style as Cyanide and Happiness. Basic, mostly basic stick figures with a little bit extra. But it's freaking hilarious. It's a good spoof on like Star Trek and Star Wars at the same time. Yeah, definitely made fun of Star Wars on a couple of scenes I liked. It was pretty funny, man. Yeah. I don't know. But it was very, very sexualized, but it was, it was good. It was a good show. Yeah, you can tell they like Seth MacFarlane style humor. Yeah, it seemed like it was very, very Seth MacFarlane. Uh, speaking of Seth MacFarlane, I think that takes us to our next pilot episode, which is Family Guy. Released January 31st, 1999. Did we all catch this episode? The animation was rough. So they all sticking out when they had the any key sounds. It was this weird little moment. Yeah. We've gotten so used to like what the characters look and sound like now. The first episode's kind of jarring when you watch it. Amelia <laughs> Kunez isn't even doing the voice of um, Meg. Yeah. Meg. Yeah, it, it, it's so weird. She sounds so different. 
was a good episode, though. It was all right. It was a good starting point for Family Guy. I don't know. Yeah, so the Griffin family, uh, Peter, Lois, Meg, Chris, and Stewie, and then Brian Griffin, which Seth MacFarlane said was his easiest because it's closest to his original voice. <laughs> Empty personality as well. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like to admit that. Yeah, and it was... Uh, Do you guys see the thing I sent out, which was like his his little... Um, it was basically his resume for wanting to start his own show. It was about like the dog and... I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, there's a lot of like Peter and Brian Griffin and even some of the jokes that made it into the um, Family Guy show. So in this first episode, Peter Peter falls asleep after getting drunk the night before. So he falls asleep at work. All these dangerous toys get out and he gets fired for sleeping on the job, uh, which he should. If you sleep on my clock, I will freaking fire you. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no goal, you know. Ha, ha, ha. This is okay. Uh, goodbye. Go away. Yeah. Uh, Which there's some the other people that should have gotten fired from that company for suggesting like handguns and grenades should be made as kids' toys. <laughs> Why were those being manufactured in the same area? I remember that. When I was a kid, those weren't marketed toys. Mattel sold. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching this, this um, ad for all that for a Johnny Omega, like arm, five man army, like five different guns in one. Uh, Sinbad mentions this in um, Jingle All the Way, actually, based on an actual toy he's making. John. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was, see, I was raised during when you had that Hoopla with the Uzi gun, toy guns that were coming out, uh, by, uh, what the heck was that called? Intercash. And I had one. <laughs> when I was a kid growing up, though, there was combat and stuff like that, all these. Oh, yeah. Uh, war, war movies and westerns mm-hmm. were the primary things that so, I mentioned Gunsmoke earlier. I Googled it once. In the 20 years that see, America likes, um, they like, the way they like to beat the bad guy is to give him, beat him the same way by giving him a dose of his own medicine and outdoing him. Yeah. That's why uh, Rambo was so popular, you know, because he just kicks ass. Matt Dillon in his 20 seasons he shot over 300 people <laughs> in a row <laughs> in a row um, and another one that would you know here's a guy in another popular western he's just walking down the middle of town right in the you know in down Main Street with a repeating rifle in his hand and he fires off 12 shots every time to start the whole episode. And the name of the show was The Rifleman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it I was... Like that. Oh, go ahead. It was just... It was kill him. Kill them all. Let God sort them out kind of a 
true. All through the 50s and the 60s and uh, in the 70s, they they got away from it a little bit. But, you know, then we had, we morphed into the crap that was the 18. That no matter how much got shot at, shit, nobody ever died. <laughs> yes. So every time, every time so one car would run into another one that was parked from the back, it would launch it in the air and do a rollover. That's what happens when you hit a parked car. Right. It's funny you bring that up. They had a Family Guy episode about it where they, like, shoot someone's tires and then they crash and they're like, yeah, they're going to be fine. And they're like, oh, no, no, man, you don't understand. Like, my brother-in-law got into a fender bender. It really messed up his shoulder. <laughs> Those guys are wrecked for life. Like, they're never going to be the same. They'll be, were they wearing a seatbelt? Thank God they were wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, so Peter gets fired and starts getting welfare checks, but someone made an error and he's getting like, I forget what it is, like a million dollars a month or something like that. Yeah, like a hundred thousand dollars a month or something like that. And a week or whatever, whatever it's Right. It, it's kind of like an old uh, Bill Cosby joke. The numbers aren't important so long as they're big. Uh, <laughs> there's so many jokes from this first episode that are like still all around. Um, like the Kool-Aid man. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember how many times they brought that guy back. I didn't, there was no need for him like Yeah, I feel like one of Family Guy's troubles is sometimes they just, like, play a joke to death. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, you don't want to stretch it out too long. Yeah. There was, you'd have to keep look it up, but there's considered a golden age of Family Guy before. And, you know, there was definitely, there's definitely been a decline, unfortunately. Well, how many years has it been going now? Oh, good Lord. Um, it started 99. in 99, but then it got canceled briefly and it came back. Yeah. So I mean, many yeah. years. And then they got canceled yeah. again after like two or three seasons and brought back again. He sounds like a guy. <laughs> if, if it wasn't talks, it probably would have. True. Yeah, since then. Yeah. But, you know, then again, Fox is the one that killed Firefly, so what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Fox doesn't know how See, to air I'm shows. Such a, a sci-fi fan. Not many people remember this one. Space Above and Beyond. Nope. Nope. Just Space 1999. Nope. Uh, Richard, you mentioned it all the time. That it would have, uh, um, easy as making flatjacks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that show was probably in I wanna say ninety five no, ninety eight maybe. Can't remember when I watched it. But yeah, Fox has gotten rich so many shows. 
And then uh, I thought it was just so freaking hilarious. The first time I saw Family Guy and watched, like, Stewie trying to kill his mom. <laughs> it's so... I have no idea where he came up with that, but it works so well. It, where she just, like, bends over and then... There's, like, three darts hitting the side of the cupboard or something. And then, like, there's so many characters not in this first episode. Cleveland. Uh, I think Joe gets introduced in episode two. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's just Quagmire and Peter, and then a bunch of random characters at Quagmire's house that we, like, never see again. <laughs> I think they make fun of it in a later episode where like Stewie and Brian go back in time and they just start digging at everything wrong in the first season. That's all the guys that we all learn to love and you know Yeah. <laughs> That's like, all the stories with. He's got so tied up in writing and reading and talking. In case we missed anything, I gave it an A, Dad gave it an A. <laughs> I want to say B plus. I'm going to be honest. I mean, it's just the animation. I don't know. I don't know. I know it's just the one guy. It's really well, but I, I don't know. There's something about it that just wasn't really easy on my eyes. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it a B, but honestly, at the time when I first watched it, I couldn't care less. I, at the time, I, I would have given it a C. Another thing that was going to come and go, and eventually it was canceled, and I said, Yeah, there's crude humor, but he also has just, like, out-of-left-field humor. Which they make fun of him for on South Park when they're like, it's a bunch of manatees just pushing random ideas over to the wall. Right, and see, that's the thing. I love South Park because South Park just drenches itself in it. So. It's like, okay, we're going to talk about that's good. You should have been watching it on mushrooms. It makes a world of difference. Yeah. <laughs> Negative, on it up that. Negative on that. But I have uh, watched it on Florida Swamp uh, uh, Tobacco. <laughs> oh, God. Florida Swamp Tobacco. <laughs> Where the gators grow. <laughs> That's right, down in the good old state of Florida. Tobacco, completely 
That's right. Down in the good old state of Colorado, too. You know where it's not? Where this guy's well, living in South Dakota. Sounds like a petty offense type of thing. Well, I think that brings us over to Firefly. Released on September 20th, 2002. And as they said in The Big Bang Theory, this show's just going to be on forever, right? Yeah, it has like a million seasons, doesn't it? Yeah, Joss Whedon with Nathan Fillion, uh, Genus Taurus, Alan Tudyk. They were just talking about him earlier. Um, you know, I, I like the opening. It was like, it started off fighting. Like, they were just fighting like crazy. I have no idea who it is. You know, they're just like, hey, uh, go get these guys. Go fight this. And I thought it was like, oh, it's people fighting people. And then they have those giant, cute, white, like green lit up cubes coming from the sky, the most dramatic music. And I was like, what is happening? You know, it's just kind of, <laughs> what, what, like, I, 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 we hit the ground running. I'm really trying to keep up with this. You know, it's like, I just the back and forth going on. But when that music hit, it was just so dramatic in his face of like, oh, our lives are over. And I'm like, what is happening? You know, like, I feel like that one guy out in the middle of the field, what's going on, guys? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I actually tell my cooks that when we're like short staffed and we're I know we're about to get busy, I'm like, listen, we are not going to die. You know why we're not going to die? Because we are just too pretty. You and I are too pretty to die today. <laughs> like it's not happening. Let's go. Yeah, this was my dad's choice. Dad, I'm really surprised you didn't go with... I thought you were going to choose Supernatural. Yeah. No. Whoa. Now, I want to kind of chime in on the whole Supernatural bit. Did anybody else notice that the, the first TV guy they met actually is the dude who plays Crowley later on in Supernatural? That threw me for a loop. Oh, did not notice that. Really? No. I'm very young. I don't remember his name. But yeah, that one was the dude who, he, yep, he played uh, Crowley later on in Supernatural, and it was really interesting to see him, like, first, what was it, 10 minutes in Firefly? I was like, wait a minute. He played I know that guy. Yeah. I, got to I just him. thought that was really interesting. <laughs> um, my daughter, we met him at a Comic-Con, yeah. and my daughter was there, and she was, like, 16, I think, at the time. And she was just shaking like a Mexican chihuahua. <laughs> and she's talking to him. She says, you are my favorite actor. She thought he was awesome. And he took her hand in his, and he says, that's okay. He says, just breathe. He says, I'm just a normal bloke who happens to have a really cool job. 
that's a good way to approach it. That's cool. If you've ever watched anything sci-fi, he is there. He's in episodes of Doctor Who. He's been in Supernatural, MacGyver, um, Battlestar Galactica, uh, Bionic Woman. Like, he is all over TV show. If you ever saw his face, you're like, yes, I recognize him. That's the guy. So what was interesting about this is they had, they came out with a pilot. Fox liked the show, but they wanted something more exciting. So uh, Josh Whedon and I think, I forget who it was, Ken Manners or somebody, they went off over a weekend and wrote the train job, which is what got aired first, but that's all out of sequence. So I went with Serenity, because that was the 90-minute, basically, uh, pilot, and that introduces all the characters, and that also, you understand, it, it gives background of Captain Reynolds and Chloe, how they fought the war together, what establishes their, their why they work together the way they do and stuff. They have a history. Um, but Fox kept having them air the episodes out of order so it wasn't making sense. And they got preempted by the uh, World Series a couple of times and it just, they put them on Friday night, you know, which is the kiss of death and yeah, like, Fox didn't know how to air episodes of anything. Same thing happened to Futurama, where they just like, okay, now you're airing on this time. Okay, now we're changing it to this time on this day. Now we're changing it to this time and this day and see how that works. Not enough ratings. And, like, you could never gain traction in ratings because everybody was getting jumbled around. Maybe so the writers had to make sure everything ended the same way it began. Yeah. But except it wasn't. Firefly was a like overlying story arc. Each episode led into the next one with a few one-offs here or there. So it was. Yeah, let's see mix it up. Well, and and you also what it does by showing that Malcolm Reynolds fought in the war, um, that the government that's in place now they are the bad guys, and they. Do that stuff, the character River Town that Summer Glyle plays, uh, they do horrible shit to her. Um, they just basically crack into her brain and have a play date. No doubt. So, the episode is how Serenity takes on all these new passengers. Um, and you're introduced to the crew as well. And one of the passengers on there is actually somebody from the government who is after, because Simon Tam has, is um, the doctor who's one of the passengers, and his sister River, he broke her out of the government hospital or whatever it was she was in, and they're on the run, and this guy's tracking them down, and he comes on undercover on board. And 
eventually they find out who he is. And so the episode really is good about setting everything up and letting you know who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, but also the good guy, bad guy line is very blurred in this series. It is, yeah. Which makes it interesting. Now, what got a lot of people watching this is there were trailers for this show, and there was a shot of when they opened up the box of River completely naked from the side. So any kid that was like in high school or junior high, they're like, I want to see this scene where they open up the box and there's this hot naked woman inside. <laughs> like, show me where Summer Glau comes in. And do you remember Nathan Fillion's uh, very epic line that he gives when he sees her in the box? I was like, oh, or, hey. he goes, huh, 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 yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Like, he's just like, what the hell is in this box? Drugs? Uh, illegal contraband? Like, nope, naked woman. <laughs> huh. Dude, Nathan was kind of a, like, didn't like a lot of things the beginning half of the show. I was like, huh, are we supposed to get to like the okay? I was like, you don't like nobody. You don't like the religion. Don't pray. Don't be praying around here. You, you don't pray. Do it in your head. I was like, oh, okay, you know, like. You get it, you know. You know, like that one lady thing. I was like, it was all right. It was a pretty cool show, though. I was getting really into it, to be honest. I felt like Captain Reynolds is just so tickled to death to introduce the priest to the prostitute because he wanted to make it uncomfortable for both of them, and he just he just so loves it so much. She's a whore, Shepard. <laughs> it made me uncomfortable. I was just watching. I was like, what? Why? Why? Why did you say that? Yeah. So when Malcolm Reynolds asked Denari, he says, How good is it? He says, None of yours. <laughs> <laughs> but most to me, when you watch the series, the most interesting character is Shepard Book. Yeah. Hands down. The priest because that knows how to shoot a gun really well. And that's what most of the fans really dislike about the show being canceled, is you never get to find out what is the real story behind Shepard Book. Or why is it when he's been shot in a later episode and the government comes on board and they look at his ID card because they're not going to do anything for him. And then they look at his ID card and they go, in the hospital now. Yeah. They keep saying, one of these days, Shepard, you're going to have to tell us how you know so much about thieving. No, you know I don't. so much about war. <laughs> you have, no, I don't. <laughs> he just straight up tells him, nope. <laughs> but in the movies... I've never seen a show that only ran one season, got canceled. And then a couple of years later, had a full feature-length movie released in theaters based on it. Yeah. Was that a lot of people throwing money at him? Just make it, baby. Well, no, because, like, they canceled the show, and then there was this outrage by a certain amount of fans of, like, why did you cancel such a good show? And they're like, listen, we're not going to give you money to make another season, but how about a movie? 
Was it made for TV or did they go to theaters? That was a theater. Theatrical release. Yeah, the character, he's just called the operative by... Oh, I can't pronounce his name. Don't make me. Shiwatel. Easy Four. Yeah. Shiwatel Easy Four. But you'd recognize his face if you saw him. He's um. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff recently. If I can remember, Twelve Years a Slave. Twelve Years a Slave. Two thousand twelve. Um. Gosh, so many things. But his character, they are. They imply that that is what Shepard was at one time, and that he was somehow able to retire. Retire from slave work? Do I do? <laughs> oh shit! No. He was wonderful. Uh, see, children. Hey, guys, stop whipping me! It's my final week. I mean, come on. <laughs> you just skip that phase. I mean. Ow, ow, ow. Hey, stop. Stop it. I got, I got tenure. <laughs> I'm going to call the YouTube guys stop. You got to just give it to me. You know what I liked about the show was when they talked about the Reavers. I mean, the first oh, episode. Man. The one lady goes in and says, you know, Reavers, what do they do? It's like they rape you to death, they'll eat your flesh and sew your skin on, and hopefully, if you're lucky, it's in that order. It's like, holy hell. Like, yeah. Oh, I think I made you watch that because my dad gave me the DVD. Oh yeah, you probably did, man. Hey, um, the movie also shows us. You know how Reavers clean their spears? They put them through the wash. No, the character Wash. Uh, by the way, spoiler alert: uh, the character oh. Wash gets a spear right through the damn chest. That helps. Let's see. Oh, Kaylee Fry, this actress that plays the. Um, what Jewel is it? State. The engineer? Jewel? Yeah, Jewel State. Yeah. She, um, I remember her it's from this hot. weird show, like, back on Nickelodeon. It was almost like Star Trek for little kids. Um, yeah. She was also in X-Files. Was she? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I see right here. She played someone called Amy Jacobs. Space Cases. That was the show I was thinking about. Um, yeah. Oh. Hold on. Back on after solution shorts. Okay. That was my wife giving me the stink eye because I've been discussing TV shows for like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> is this, this is what you want to do, eye? <laughs> Um, yeah, she's a good character, too. And then, um, yeah, and Marina Bakken or whatever, who plays Anara, she plays, um, Deadpool's main squeeze. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah she's she actually. Made, they, oh, she, well, it was Wade Wilson she was pegging, but yeah, they were very they paying attention. Yeah, it's not only that, but she's in Gotham. Um, Oh, so yeah, um, Dad, what would you give the pilot episode of? I would give it an A+. Plus. I thought it was, I loved the series, and it was a great episode that was well-written to help you understand where the characters were coming from and help set them up to move the series forward. Yeah. Foxford, yep. By airing it out of uh, out of order, but what was originally intended as the pilot didn't get aired until the eleventh episode out of only fourteen. Oh God! Zero sense to air it that late. Wow! It's so weird. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I didn't really care for the hippie lady on the show. One that, like, ran the ship or, like, I don't know, acted like the ship was some sort of pet for her. Like, no, oh, that's my baby. You know? It was like, okay. <laughs> the, the chick that was eating strawberries, or? Yeah, yeah, I ended up getting shot, I think, uh, and then... <laughs> oh, yeah, she's the engineer. Which, in real life, Joel State doesn't like strawberries. No kidding. Fox also didn't like um, having a married couple on board, especially a mixed race couple. Really? They're pushing the boundaries. I mean, I can see a bunch of Fox executives being a bunch of white, old people just like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> they, were fine, they were fine with the prostitute being held in high regard, but the married <laughs> couple, come on. Got to draw a line somewhere, right? Yeah, right? Draw the line somewhere. Next, they'll be sharing a bed on screen. <laughs> they better not kiss. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I give this episode and A-plus as well. Um, they just, they did such a good job of setting up something that was different than other sci-fi stuff. Um, sometimes the camera angles bother me because it's a bit shaky, and Ryan and I were talking about that AP class where we did radio and television, and man, you appreciate a steady cam. I cannot watch Friday Night Lights without like going, somebody calm down the cameraman. <laughs> that started with um, oh god the cop show the, um, um, the badge or something no blue something or other NYPD blue yeah uh, but yeah I, I mean just... give it a sort of a documentary feel yeah I mean I gosh the, this whole cast is everyone that I've come to, like, appreciate. Um, Nathan Fillion, he's everywhere now. Uh, Gina Torres, I haven't seen her in a lot of stuff, but she was great in this. Uh, Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Um, 
and Marina, we were just talking about her. Oh, and then um, Adam Baldwin's in this, and he's just freaking great playing Jane. Like, I'll be in my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that guy, there was one moment where, okay, so the lady gets shot in the subway. She's in the, like, laid down, and, you know, he's trying to be all tough guy. And, like, she's she's going to get him, the doctor's checking on her. And then it pans out, and there's cop just in the ventilation or something, just, like, looking in from, like, a ventilation shaft. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Just go into the fucking room and say hi to her. Like, what are you doing in the ventilation? Uh, <laughs> it was just weird moment, I was like, hey, why are you just spying on her? It just, it just seemed so weird. Like, it just seemed out of place. I guess they were trying to make you feel like he could be a bad guy, but later on, he's still a good guy, so I thought it was kind of cool. So, yeah. See, it kind of jarred me a little. I was like, dude, just go in there. What, what are you doing in there? <laughs> like, just spying on her. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, well, in one episode, Jane did turn out to um, be the bad guy, and yeah. Tried to turn in and kept a reward for Simon and River Cam, and then found out that he'd been had. And Malcolm Reynolds calls him out on it. Yeah. Is that what you call it? it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sticks him on the other side of the airlock, and then they start going up towards space, like in the atmosphere, with the door wide open. Him on oh, the other side of it. <laughs> Make you sweat. Dude, and then um, right, the train job that where he, like, there's a couple of people that he's got tied up, and he tells the first guy, like, here's the money back to your boss. You're going to tell him that we couldn't do the job, and they, like, spit on it. And he kicks him, and the guy, like, flies into the exhaust of this freaking giant engine, and he is shredded in seconds. So there's other people tied up there, and he takes the money, and he goes... You're going to take this money back to your boss. And they'll go, yep, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> right there with you. That's for everyone. Yeah, I got you. The great the character. Episode, All great characters, so yeah. A-plus for yeah, me, A-plus from Dad. Um, Thomas, you got a letter grade? Or some I'm going to say A. I'm going to say A-plus, but I don't want to say A-minus. I'm just going to stick with solid A. Nice. How about you, Ryan? Uh, I'm going to follow suit. Solid A. Uh, when I first started watching it, I was kind of getting some serious Farscape vibes. And then I'm really glad it kind of branched away from that because Farscape came just a little bit before, I want to say maybe a year or two, before Firefly. And uh, once I finished the whole pilot, I'm like, okay, it is definitely its own unique sci-fi special. And, uh, I'm going to definitely look forward to watching some more of it because for some damn reason that just totally fell off my radar and I just never took the time to watch it. So definitely something I'm investing time in. in it's it. currently on duty. Oh, yes. And uh, I definitely recommend Farscape. If you guys ever find it and want to enjoy a little bit of Farscape, it's definitely uh, good sci-fi. Lots of wormholes and just, it's fun. I've been wondering about that one. I haven't seen that. It's a lot yeah, of fun. I recommend it. All right. And considering it. Well, they called Firefly uh, a Western in space. And so what really attracted me wasn't so much that it was space, it was science fiction. It was just the characters. 
Yeah. 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 I've been a regular Western part. And I would have liked it as much. Yeah. It is. It's a good space Western. Mm -hmm. yeah, some similarities with the American West. Um, you have uh, people heading out after a war, um, out to a frontier. Yeah. So, uh, Andrew, what would you what would you grade the first episode here? Ah, uh, definitely an A. Nice. Definitely. He's all around. There's a lot of episodes on horseback and stuff too. Yeah. Okay. And then that takes us to Black Dynamite. October 16, 2009. Ryan, why don't you share with us why you chose this? <laughs> All right. So when I did my intro, as I said, I love bad movies. And there's nothing more jarring and full of terrible acting than a really good black exploitation movie. And I love Black Dynamite because it is a parody of black exploitation movies in general. So it has all of that campy, over-the-top, ridiculousness that most black exploitations like Shaft or like anything that Rudy Ray Moore was in, it really just captures that spirit. I mean, <laughs> it is off the wall. It is ridiculous. It is, there's a lot going on. Um, I'm going to throw a little backstory with it. Um, so Michael J. White, uh, he is the voice of Black Dynamite. And when they did the movie, which the series is based off of, he loved black exploitation movies and they didn't feel like they were getting enough. Uh, he wanted to kind of bring him back, you know, let, let, let him get back and circulate. Who uh, Michael J. White is. If you ever watched the live action Spawn movie? Yeah. He was Spawn. Okay. <laughs> That's right. So He's also in The Dark Knight. Yes. He's in The Dark Knight. He's there when he's like, um, enough from the clown in the big meeting room. Oh, yes. Beautiful. But um, him and a bunch of friends got together and said, hey, did this movie. I thought it was fun. I really love this character. I want to do it some more. So that they kind of got a really loose, okay to do it. And they actually, um, oh, God, I can't remember his name, but he was uh, uh, Richard Pryor's, uh, oh, no, not Arsenio, uh, Richard Pryor's manager, I want to say, or, or one of his writers, a great comedian. He's on Chappelle's show a lot. But, um, they worked with him, and they helped write a lot of the material that is in Black Dynamite. So the first episode is only 11 minutes long, and then the rest of them are usually 22 minutes. So it's it's a really just a shot in the dark. They hoped for the best, and it was just I love the writing with it. Just the way all the words flow out of them is just wow. It's very colorful, to, <laughs> just to say the least. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> So it moves forward. We're basically down at Black Diamond. Says, you know, I was basically raised by them puppets. <laughs> and he, you see this half a second where he's conflicted. And he's like, you just need to tell me one thing. How do I get down to Puppet Street? <laughs> the next scene in a true on stereotypical black exploitation uh, scoop. They're rolling down the street in a carried out Cadillac with uh, basically all his sidekicks. You have Honeybee, who is basically a. Uh, 
leader of the prostitutes at Black Dynamite's Orphanage, which is what he runs on the side because he runs a orphanage. Oh, yeah, you might have to watch it again. You missed it. If you missed that, I'm sorry, because it, it plays an important thing to the entire two seasons, that orphanage. So, <laughs> Honeybee, he's a Ben Patel, big old afro. Uh, oh, it's, uh, I'm trying to remember the uh, the voice rings in my head. She's in a lot of, uh, basically, uh, she's in a whole bunch of movies. I can't think of her name, though. Uh, then you have Craig Corn, who is the weakest pimp you'll ever meet. Uh, he's basically complaining in a stereotypical matter that, hey, I'm living in my mom's house, and she's telling the pimp what to do, and that's not okay. And then my favorite character, Bullhorn, who's basically Rudy Ray Moore, <laughs> and uh, just rhymes everything. It's uh, uh, He rhymes some stuff I didn't think he'd make happen, but it was, <laughs> it was a good treat to listen to that. They rolled out of Puppet Street and uh, commenced to fighting a not Oscar the Grouch. Because that'd be copyright. And it's just in, just <laughs> ridiculous watching as he just totally eviscerates puppets. We're pulling out stuff and we're yanking out fake eyeballs. And all in true black exploitation kung fu style. <laughs> the animation does kind of leave a little to be desired. You could tell it was a bit of a rush job. But even with that, it, it was, I believe, a lot of fun. You could see that they had a lot of passion for the, how they uh, threw everything together in a hurry. The uh, leader of the puppets, uh, oh, Curtis, uh, Frog Curtis, who is decked out in full-on pimp wear, swinging his froggy testicles out to show that dominance in front of Black Dynamite, drops, a, um, <clears throat> drops an N-bomb on him, and uh, my favorite line is he looks up like, hey, man, I've never been called that by a puppet before. I, I die every time that that line comes up. He's just that awkward, like, I've never been called that by a puppet. What kind of loss? Let me put that together for a second. <laughs> so, basically, um, Frog Curtis is brainwashing all the children of America to turn on the government, bring them all the money and guns start robbing and he's going to be king pimp of the world and it's black dynamite's job to stop it so in true order uh he basically goes all bruce leroy on all these puppets <laughs> chopping them in half ninja kicking pulling stuffing out and their true bruce lee style throwing it down stepping on it there's back kicks that cut off heads there's ninja stars that cut out eyeballs uh bullhorn does a gut and eye move it just <laughs> how can I save the world? In a matter of five seconds. The only way I know how, with karate and gratuitous <laughs> violence. Yes. <laughs> Righteous Yuri. So we have Frog Curtis on his last leg. Black Diamond rolls up on him, and Frog Curtis tries to pull a fast one, and Black Diamond just slaps him silly. And in order to set the world right, he does the only thing you're supposed to do with a puppet shove your hand up his ass and make him talk. <laughs> So, it ends on a wonderful public service announcement from your friend, Black Dynamite. <laughs> I love it. That and, was, uh, that's the ace. Really, that's the ace that's, right there is the card up your sleeve to stick your hand up the enemy's 
Uh, it was a left field one, and uh, when I picked it, I knew that it was going to be one of those huh kind of movies or kind of a shows because you know what I like off the wall weird stuff. Um, even though I can take it, I am going to give him a solid B, but only because um, the animation did feel lacking. You could tell it was rushed, and uh, it does get better. I love the character development down the road. You can imagine the character development in such a storyline. <laughs> Are you familiar with Ralph, in animation, with Ralph Bakshi? Um, I've probably seen his work, but not off the top of my head. cat, wizards? Really? Yes, then, definitely. Yeah. Fire and ice. Yeah, so I didn't feel it was rushed. I just thought he was paying tribute to Ralph Bakshi. Since Bakshi's, like, Prince the Cat and stuff came out back during the Black... Uh, exploitation movies about that time I thought that's why he went with that animation it was of the period that could be very true I would be surprised knowing Michael J. White I would totally believe that yeah actually also did um, Lord of the Rings back in the 70s which was only partial of the story it never got finished but uh, <laughs> up to that point it was the most uh, industrious undertaking or, or, or best effort that anybody had ever done. Yeah. Wow, I'm just seeing the flashbacks that Lord of the Rings is like it ended so early. Like, but where's the rest of it? Yeah. <laughs> Where there's a way. There's a way. Oh, and it's on the <laughs> Oh, that's terribly bad taste. <laughs> So, Ryan, I feel like you're going to give this an A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I gave him a solid B. Like I said, really? I was, even though I picked it, I'm giving him a solid B. I really loved it. I enjoyed it and all. Um, it grew grew on me as the seasons progressed. Uh, I'm going to say probably around the third episode, it bumped up to an A for me. And actually, I'll take that back. The second episode bumped it up to an A for me. Okay. I feel like it was just it was too short. And they had a lot of story they could have told. And, and, but for 11 minutes, it was pretty action-packed. There was a lot to sell and tell story in 11 minutes. They crammed a lot in 11 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I give it a B as well. Only because, like, it's not something everyone can enjoy. Like, I don't think I could ever show this to my grandma or anything. <laughs> Although you never know, she liked she. There was a song from South Park, the movie that she enjoyed. But no, this is it's kind of jarring, and like I loved it. It was definitely worth the watch. I don't know if I'll watch it again, but it was worth watching at least once. <laughs> um, uh, Andrew, did you like this? Yeah, I give it a B. Yeah. Give it a B. Um, yeah, let's go. I absolutely enjoyed it as the series goes on. Yeah, let's go. Right. Um, Thomas? Well, you know, I'd, I'd have to say that after he said the black exploitation, I, I think he yeah, got a better understanding of what they were going for on the episode of, <laughs> like, when I first saw it, I guess I was I was like, "What is this a new superhero?" I don't know. <laughs> I, I, 
came to understand that it was just kind of a it's just kind of a joke on itself. And I, I mean, I, I guess I appreciate it a little bit more after hearing them re-describe it. So I guess I, I'd still say some of the piece. All right, Dad, did you get to enjoy this? Um, I probably have a little bit different perspective. <laughs> you guys, well, the reason I say that is because I grew up in Texas, you know, back into the 60s. And I remember moving to Texas to the Dallas-Fort Worth area in 1967, and there were still signs all over the place. Whites only, blacks only. Um, there was a lot of racism where I grew up, a lot, and there still is. Um, so, um, black exploitation. I mean, that was kind of born out of the fact that blacks were just not being featured in movies hardly at all. You had tokens here and there. Sidney Poitier was um, given a lot of respect, but uh, he was also shit on a lot. So it's hard for me to separate what that genre was born out of. Um, a lot of really bad, bad stuff. Yeah. Um, but taking it at face value, it was 100% spot on. <laughs> but it's, it's a limited audience, I will say. It, it's not, uh, doesn't have broad appeal. And that's why I, I would give it a B rather than an A. Unanimous B for Black Dynamite. I'm okay with that. That's like, boom. Yeah. B that's a positive rating. Shit, I think the lowest thing we've had so far is a C. Yeah. Well, see, I enjoy it just because it doesn't play to the lowest common denominator. Um, that was kind of my problem with family guy. Uh, just playing down to the lowest common denominator and having nothing behind it. It's, it was funny. Absolutely. Alright. I think we finally made it over to Invincible. This is the newest one on here. March 25th, 2021. Uh, uh, Thomas, this was your pick, right? I, I had to pick this one because not only was this the reason why I had to read every comic that they wrote, because like I, after I watched the first season of Invincible, I had to go out, I bought every comic there was, the Incompendiums, read them all. Oh, best story I've ever read in my life. Couldn't believe it, the ending, I was bawling like a baby, you should have, oh, you could ask my lady when she came in there, saw me reading the last comic, it's just so good. Just so, I'll never, I'll never be able to explain how amazing it was. But maybe just because it relates to my life a lot, you know, personal drama and stuff like that, just kind of, it all hit very similar. But, but the thing is, the comics are different than the TV show. It's kind of like The Walking Dead, where you know, different things happen to different people. But the yeah. Same it's not exactly similar. So if you ever want to do one or the other medium, then they're just different stories. But you know, similar in some other ways. Yeah, different things take place at different times. Uh, certain events occur before other events. Uh, oh, okay. But this that, that first episode, I'm, I mean, wow. I mean, how look I say, especially the way they ended it was just kind of 
<laughs> I mean, it was just cool to see the, you know, family part of, you know, superheroes, you know, trying to be the son of a Superman. That would be yeah. one of the experience, you know, trying to become something that you don't ever feel like you'll ever be. But, I don't know, it was interesting to watch this guy trying to, to live up to his dad's expectations, I guess. Yeah, that's, I'm, I feel like that's something a lot of people can identify with. And then him being like, I think the first episode, he's like completely powerless. The main character, Mark Grayson, um, he's, you know, like to feel like, oh my gosh, there's literally, there's nothing I can do about it. Like, I can't do what he wants me to do. I mean, it's a scary thing to think about, you know, like just sort of, you know, make your dad proud, but finding out that you don't have the powers. But he did get the powers later on and, you know, really did want to, you know, yeah. off. His dad was a little easier on him with his powers than Homelander was. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just been watching that. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, let's push him off. Yeah. Like, I, I love, there's this thing I saw on TikTok and it was like, this public service announcement and this woman goes what would you do there was a child standing right in front of you right now and it cuts to homelander shoving him off the roof (laughs) 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 yeah it's so weird to think about because my dad usually had a lot of anger when i was growing up so you know kind of like things needed to be perfect to everything needed a perfect photo of life as it is and I don't know just got kind of the vibe off of that when I was watching uh, Invincible you know yeah father figures are oddly enough usually missing in superhero origin stories Batman loses his parents Superman loses his parents and then loses his adopted father eventually Simba loses Mufasa I just wanted to throw that (laughs) (laughs) Good old superhero Simba. You, you gotta know, you know, if we, come on, all that bird, he's gotta be a superhero. <laughs> uh, yeah. One look at this show, and you can tell that the animators had an appreciation for the early 90s, like superhero cartoons that were starting to just blow up Saturday morning. Similar to what they're doing in the movie theaters now, but like all of a sudden, Saturday morning in the early '90s had like X-Men, Batman, uh, Spider-Man, and this it it kind of feels like that at times. They specifically use like that limited animation. Am I the only one who sees just a touch of anime in it as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I found it reminded me of a couple of shows when I was a kid, long before it was known as anime, was the original Speed Racer, and then um, there was one called Tobar, the Eighth Man, and (laughs) Tobar. Tobar was robot spelled backwards, but yeah, it was an import from South Korea. My mind is blown. (laughs) All these years, Um, I never knew that. You know what was funny is you know why they talk so fast in uh, Speed Racer? Yes, Speed Racer. Because it took so much more to say in English what they said in Korean. So there was more words to put in there, 
And that's why everybody is like they're on cocaine through the whole episode. Everybody's just, oh, ah, 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 and they're just ah, ah, rattling it off. Yeah. Uh-huh. It seems over there that somebody's coming in through the window. Ha ha. I assume they could have added in a couple more mouth flaps in there, you know, just double it up, you know? Yeah. 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 So the animation kind of reminded me just a little bit of the early anime stuff from the 60s. Yeah, and I'd say there's so a little bit of Dragon Ball Z kind of feeling. It, it did make me feel homey about it, you know, it kind of makes you feel comfortable and then right at the end. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, like... God. And you're getting this like whole team of superheroes, and you're like, man, this is cool. I can't wait to see what these guys do together. And the end of the episode, you're like, nope. <laughs> you know, I went into this blind, so I, I never read or knew anything about Invincible. So here I am watching it, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Oh, this is wonderful values. I'm kind of enjoying this. Maybe I should watch this with my kids. And right there before the end, my son comes up and says, hey, Dad, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, something that we might be watching pretty soon. And right when I say that was, like, when the freaking the hammer dropped. I was like, oh, no. Oh. Oh. Oh, that's an eyeball. Pause. Hey. Um, I don't think we're going to be watching this, buddy. <laughs> you should go play some Minecraft. Same. I didn't see... A, a trailer or anything. I'm just watching the show, getting all these nostalgia vibes, and the next thing I know, I'm like, "Oh my god!" Halfway traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think I really sheltered you from stuff like that. Oh no, I have fond memories of us watching Predator eating chips and salsa when I was like eight years old. RoboCop. We ain't been watching RoboCop. I'm like watching uh, Captain Murphy just get obliterated. Oh, I'll never forget that. Oh my god, as a kid. Jumped into my like, kids loved it. They made toys for, this, for, the, for the movies. Like, are you kidding me? That's right. Kids in the 80s and 90s got like action figures for rated R films. They targeted the like toys for rated R movies. I'm shocked about that too. I'm pretty sure I had action figures that had bullet holes that came stock. I'm pretty certain I did. Yep. It was a Terminator. Yeah, it came stock with bullet holes. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh. He's a So, Nick, you were like five when Jurassic Park came out? Yeah, five and or six. We took you to see that. Yeah, you. I think you just turned six. And I just remembered when the T-Rex is chasing them, you're sitting in your chair, and your legs were pumping up and down like you were trying to run. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Goldblum was sitting there telling me to go faster. <laughs> must go faster. Thank uh, you, Jeff yeah. Goldblum. <laughs> you really liked that you were also really big on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the original Batman with Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah, he was. Yep. Dude, can you believe Keaton Michael Keaton's Batman. coming back? As Batman, I'm stoked. Uh, if he does like the old Batman, like they do, like the uh, was it um, uh, Kane Batman versus Superman when Batman's all old, I would I'd watch that. Did From, you guys see Ruby the Ruby Red or uh, what is it that live action female Batman yet? No. Aru. So you should look into that because you know the Michael who is the voice of Batman. 
Yeah. The actual Batman in that TV show. He actually got on the cape. He actually got to be the live-action Batman in that TV show. Only for a little bit. But, eh, I mean, you'll have to look into it and decide whether or not you like it or not. A lot of people say, you know, we were right kind of shit on Batman. But it's, it's, she was her own entity, but uh, her, her acting was a little uh, yes. I am a sucker <laughs> for nostalgia bait. You, you do not have to do a lot to please me for, like, nostalgia movie. Like, <laughs> Michael Keaton in a Batman suit, great. Do it. I don't care what he's doing. He could be, like, drinking and sure, and then, like, telling Robin about all his troubles about having to wear Depends and his back problems. That could be the whole thing, and I'll eat it up. Oh, yeah, I think you're going to love it, then. You might want to look into the show. Qui-Gon Jinn Sweet. showed up for like five seconds in Obi-Wan, and I was like, yes! <laughs> Speaking of uh, how Batman treats Robin, did you ever read up on what Adam West uh, did with Burt Ward? Oh, God. Do I want to know? Oh, he perverted that poor kid. <laughs> of course, he was like 22 when he started playing, but yeah. Uh, Adam he West had... What's that? Uh, oh, I said, he Willikers. <laughs> oh, no. It was more like they were full on into orgies and all sorts of shit, man. It got wild. <laughs> that was, he was a weird dude, Adam West. <laughs> yes, because he, you know. Like, you know who else was into orgies? Yeah. Uh, he was a founding father on the $100 bill, Benjamin Franklin. Might have heard of him. Smoked a lot of weed. Wait, are we doing. Uh, Daisy Confused, or... What? Yeah, you know, that's that one. That's fake. <laughs> uh, anyway, we, we got on a fun tangent there. Um, <laughs> gosh, there's... Uh, I don't know what else, Like, Invincible got really popular, too. Like, that one scene just started showing up all over like yeah. TikTok and everything. I just remember all of a sudden there was like just like everyone was talking about that one scene where basically Superman destroys the Justice League single handedly. Um, and you also see a lot of the memes of the dad yelling at her, his son. I mean, I don't know if you've seen that yet. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the end of the season, but I mean, he, he just beats the. No, I mean, you know, I don't want to say too much about the show. It's it's a really great ending. It's just wild. I like, couldn't believe what was happening. Uh, you know, find out Superman's an asshole is really kind of a shocking thing, you know? Like, right. Oh, man, I'm a dick. And yeah, it, I ended up buying the, uh, all three omnibuses for uh, Invincible after watching that. Dude, Dude I had no idea it was a comic book till you guys said something. I was just, I thought it was an Amazon original. <laughs> Kind of sort of was. It was Image Comics. Uh, Image Comics. Uh, American Savage. Yeah, they make appearances. Like uh, American Savage, the Savage Dragon just shows up. Oh. Yeah. With the mohawk and everything. Yeah, man, in the comics. Yeah. And nice. I always liked Savage Dragon. Yeah. Uniform. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but yeah, he like does a team up with uh, Mark um, Invincible. And yeah, it's definitely different. Like times and places where certain things, it, it, it's pretty, it follows it pretty well. It's carrying the story, but there are certain things that like occur before other things. It's just, it doesn't matter, but it's like, oh, okay. 
Did you finish all three? Hmm? Did you read all three? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I couldn't stop myself either. I was just, once you start reading, I was like, okay, I guess that's <laughs> what my week looks like. <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay, it's like, seriously, I'm like, how are they going to do all that? That, that show is going to get much, much bigger. Dude, the Battle Beast? Oh, I love the Battle Beast. I couldn't believe that guy existed. It was so, ah, so rough. <laughs> Hey, hey, you guys read the Omnibus, does Battle Beast and Savage Dragon fight at all? Because I would pay to see that. I don't think he does. No. Oh, uh, That'd be yeah. pretty cool. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the clone guys. There was just something funny about a bunch of clones all, like, telling each other that they're the one that's the original and everyone else is a clone and nobody knows. God, I love that part. I love it so bad. And then when they find out who is the original, like, at least the original-ish. I I think the original is long since dead, and it's nothing but clones existing now. Well, what is the and then they all just like that. He's like the oldest one, and they all kind of like, okay, I guess you're the the oldest one. So he's like, oh no, I'm the king. And he's like the king of all the other ones. And then, then the clones are like, you know what? Fuck this guy, kills him. I, I like not knowing. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> yeah, it was so, such a weird show. They like they were like, yeah, you know, as long as we don't know who the original is, we'll be a lot better. You know, we're better. Yeah, off absolutely. And we're back with all the masks. Destruction. It's a humor. It's really good. It's funny. Yeah, something to think about, too. A lot of little head scratchers. I love it. Yeah? Yeah. Like, the comic, I'm telling you, the comic's the way to go. But the TV show definitely did a great adaptation. The fight scene with the superheroes lasted like two pages in the comics. Like, maybe a page, a page and a half. So it was like, dee 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 done. Like, wow. Okay? But yeah, yeah. Like, a couple four-page art-type things, and then, uh, okay. But that's weird. That's how it happens. Like, on a page, you can look for a really long time at one punch. But you've got, like, sure. half a second to appreciate it when it's in live action. True. It's very true. I mean, you really felt their fear in, like, okay, I guess it's him or us. Like, you know, you kind of felt that same, uh, oh, man, what you guys going to do? I know, you and it was like... monster in the room. But like, oh my god, like, we love this guy, he's like a part of our family, we fought alongside him, and then just like, it's without remorse of any kind, cold slaughter. (laughs) I couldn't figure him out for like the rest of the season until, like, oh, spoilers to anyone who hasn't actually watched it. When he comes out like near the end of the season and he's like, oh yeah, I'm here to conquer Earth, this is just a long thing that we do like and oh god how freaking hilarious is it at the end of the series the dude shows up and he's like hey dude there's a bad guy in your planet and he's trying to take over and he's talking about his dad and he's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like colin grayson's an alien he's trying to conquer you he's like yeah Did you like how that was voiced by Seth Rogen? Seth Rogen did such a great job. He's perfect for the bit. Can you just say that Omni-Man being voiced by J.K. Simmons is absolutely awesome. Brilliant. Phenomenal. Why has he not been a superhero voice before? He's been too busy being the yellow M&M. 
<laughs> right, and, you know, and for a character who's going to play, you know, played in Oz, you know, yeah, he has a dark side, so he can definitely let that through. It shows, it shows, and the art, and then it's like his, the voice acting, it was, he gets angry. Oh, God, I have to do everything he does. Yeah. I gotta try to find it again where somebody took dialogue from the movie Whiplash. Have you guys seen that? Yes. So J.K. Simmons plays this like asshole of a music teacher who just starts like swearing and he like goes really hard to ham on these poor kids trying to learn an instrument. And they took dialogue from that and threw it in and dubbed it over scenes from Invincible. Oh, please share this. <laughs> if I can find it again, it was so freaking hilarious. That sounds so good. <laughs> Why didn't you fucking say so? <laughs> did, you see, uh, did you see that video with the, the Reading Rainbow song with 50 Cent? Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hard. Um, oh, wait, no. It was uh, Reading Rainbow with DMS. No DMS, that's what it was. Sounds a lot like Westworld. Can't say that I have. I think. Away, but they learn how that they get the technology to where you don't have to be sitting in the chair to do it. Now they figured out how to be able to do it remote and leave it to Josh Whedon to take that, and it's like it gets completely out of hand, and the whole world goes to shit because now people have this technology to control people's minds and make them believe anything and put uh, all these skill sets into their brains and stuff and they can become a super assassin and all this and in just two seasons it goes from just serving the rich people for their fantasies to an entire worldwide meltdown huh. how do you do those? yeah um, but that's kind of what it reminded me a little bit of that it seems innocuous at first and then it takes a turn and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> but these little right. mini-series that they've been doing rather than movies and releasing Loki. on Disney Plus, they've been pretty good. Yeah. Loki was wildly good. I had loved Loki. Yeah, enjoyed Boba Fett, uh, not Boba Fett, um, the, uh, I like Boba Fett, Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah. Not so much. There were some things that were there, like that chase scene on the motorcycles, 
I gotta say, when they were the bad guys were trying to get little um, Princess or uh, Princess Leia when she was running, and Obi Wan, they're like, "Oh God, this is this is wow, bad." Oh yeah. Oh my God, Obi Wan was actually really good. I liked that one. I did. Yeah. The scenes with when he. The final battle, that was awesome. Yeah, I was. I applauded it. Nobody was around. I applauded it. It was so good. I was. I was like, all right. So they're making an Obi Wan series. It's somewhere in between Episode three and Episode four, basically smack dab in the middle. And I was like, all right. So I'm going to see some aging from these people mm-hmm. that will explain what the hell happened in between episode three and episode four, because everyone is way older than just 20 years older. They're like 40, (laughs) 50 years older than what they look like at the end of episode three. End of episode three, like, um, Aunt Maru is still kind of hot. Not so much in episode four. (laughs) I don't think 20 years did that, but man, those double sons do do murder to Misa's skin. In episode two and three, I'm telling you, go back and look at the actress. I'm just saying. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. When you say two and three, I think A New Hope and then Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. That's interesting. I take it back. I think yeah. Star Wars Episode One should be a next episode then. <laughs> oh God! You don't want to torture people, huh? They want Jar Jar Binks. Oh no! <laughs> I can't believe Jar Jar Binks lived through Episodes Two and Three. Well, you know, my opinion of Disney's the latest kind of set was kind of mixed. I'm like, uh, hey, wow, you bunch of potential just blown away. Could have, could have been a much better series. Well, the Obi Wan was suppo- was originally going to be a movie. Yep. But Han Solo yeah, bombed. He was going to play. They kind of were leading to the fact that at the end of Solo, there's a hologram of Darth Maul with robot legs. Yeah. And there was some talk about Obi Wan running into him in between three and four. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, but nope. That's gone. I said, yeah, because the, the best character out of the first three prequels was Darth Maul, and they killed him off right away. Yeah, I, I, I would object. I would say they killed off the best character in episode one, and it was Qui-Gon Jinn. Freaking Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was yeah. good. But I felt like I was watching Groundhog Day. <laughs> uh, because when when I saw him take the swipe at Darth Maul and he starts to fall, my initial thought was um, he might still be okay. And then you see him separate into two pieces, and I and I picture Chris, what's his name, looking down at the bottom of the quarry pit there, <laughs> where Bill Murray's driven off. He goes, he might be okay, and then the huge fireball comes up. 
So when I saw Darth Maul, I was like, you might be okay. And then he splits in two. It's like, well, not now. He's bouncing off the walls of the Buzz Town. He'll never poop on a cesspool again. No, I was like, wait a minute. Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn died. And there's still the character Jar Jar Binks alive. There's no justice. No justice. Darwinism has failed us. <laughs> Don't even got like a reward at the end of the show. Like everybody goes, oh, he has a oh, freaking yeah, channel. Oh, God, screw that guy. <laughs> He's a political influencer. Go away. We're doomed. He's a comic oh, oh, He got into politics real fast. Robot well, we'll thinking played on that when I swear Vader uh, is just being followed around by a ghost of Jar Jar. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so fun. Vader just haunted by Jar Jar. Like, everybody sees these cool ass jokes. Obi Wan gets to see Qui Gon, and then he just gets to see <laughs> Jar Jar Binks give it up to him. Yes, he is. How you doing? <laughs> Have you seen that GIF? I thought it was hilarious. It's been out for quite a while, where the stormtroopers are playing baseball with Darth Vader, and Vader's up to bat, and he takes it and knocks it out of the park, and it goes up into space and hits the space station and blows it up. <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit. And they, quick, real quick, walk away, walk away. <laughs> um... What were we talking about originally? Invincible. Invincible. Yes. Dad, do you have a letter grade? As long as they don't do another Star Wars movie with a round of applause to end the movie, yes. I'll be okay, I guess. Yeah. You know what? That was bullshit. Chewie didn't get a medal. <laughs> Dude, neither did the droids. R2-D2 gets to live. Woo, good for you. They just weren't that inclusive yet. Yeah, but Chewie was in the middle of it all. Yeah. He was in the firefights and stuff. So was R2. R2-D2 was, was right alongside Luke the whole time. But fixing stuff, doing all kinds of shit that the regular computer wasn't doing on its own for some reason. Why did they design going shit? places that he should never be able to go. Yeah. It has the shape that he was, Yeah. <laughs> Now, if they'd have made him like the revamped Daleks where they could move around and fly through the air, that'd be one thing. But They did. Didn't you see episode two? He's got little rocket boosters. Okay, so you got R2-D2. Find one staircase that he found. Like, he got up. <laughs> one stair. <laughs> one stair, he can't join you guys. Like, yep, sorry, no ramp, I can't join you guys. You're, you're, <laughs> you're going for them. It's Not to space. Not he got his ass handed to him by Jarvis. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's real. I mean, I don't, I don't know where that. It's kind of funny. They say that R2-D2 has the filthiest mouth in the history of cinema because everything he says has to be bleeped out. <laughs> 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 okay. I think my mom's about to go to sleep. Dad, you got a uh, good rating for Invincible Episode 1? <laughs> yeah, I give it an A because of the it, it went where I was not expecting it to go. It seemed pretty 
uh, tame, small, you know, uh, Superman kind of like, and it's like if he didn't have his, didn't know he had his powers and stuff, it was just so straight laced until uh, Dad goes batshit crazy on everybody. Yeah. And and that was like, okay, this is different, and I like different. That's why I like uh, here lately. Stranger Things and The Boys. I've been wanting to get into Stranger Things. I just I, I can't get past the first two episodes. I, uh, I've seen the really? first episode like four times. Uh, it's worth it. <laughs> Trust me, it's worth it. Power through the episodes. Work. Some things don't work in that where they try to be funny about the relationships. Um, it, it, you know, it, it got it. The worst part was. Um, when Dustin had to say never-ending story to his girlfriend and to get the info out of her. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> they carried some of that stuff way too But, uh, to me, I'm, see, I was full-blown adult in 1984. I already had one kid anyway. Um, but, they just absolutely nailed the 80s really well with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were owned, they owned the house, so we kind of feel it right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it was uh, really good on the nostalgia. Yeah. They didn't overdo it. Um, they didn't throw too much music at it, which they could have, uh, to try to make it really feel like the 80s, but they just... They spiced it with the music. They didn't douse it. Decent okay. synth pop, stuff in the back. Um, well, on, a lot of nice, the, the credits and everything on the screen were a throwback to the 80s. And, mm-hmm. and just, they, they nailed the 80s vibe really well. Kind of like the Goldbergs, but in a different way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the storyline, some of the bad characters, like they... The Russian who ends up killing. Uh, okay, wait a minute. Spoilers. Smirnoff. Thomas Thomas hasn't seen this yet. Oh, but, but I mean, he's obviously uh, paying homage to the Terminator. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this recent season is more of an homage to uh, the horror movies of the eighties. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the newest oh, season yeah. kind of reminded me of uh, Friday Why the Thirteenth. Every time I hear Nancy, though, I just want to say, Nancy, Nancy Taylor. <laughs> I, I go straight on Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. You can run, but you can't hide, bitch. <laughs> I'm scared of Terry. So. And the uh, special character who is in it, definitely an homage. Come on. I'm not going to give that away, but anyone who's a horror movie is awesome. There's yeah. nothing in that, too, in that season. Yeah, awesome. So, Andrew, did you like Invincible? Absolutely. Give it an A. Nice. We sound Canadian, eh? Oh, yeah, eh? You know how Canadians spell Canada? C-A-N-A. D A. Oh yeah. So yeah, you enjoyed it. Um, anything that stood out to you? 
Other than eyeballs? Well, the the reveal for its thing that was Matt's worth deals the deal. He goes, oh, okay, just a teenager uh, getting his power to, oh, okay. Oh, that, that happens now. Okay. And the threat level to put up. And as the series goes, yeah. <laughs> So, Who's the last person? Uh, uh, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. That's um, the one, I, I really enjoyed it, yeah. I, I really loved it. Um, I like the slow build, the whole building characters bit. I mean, they made characters I cared about until, like, they became stains. So it was really nice. Kind of, kind of rough that my, my, my kid came in right in that eyeball splattering point, but overall <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> it, uh, I don't know if you guys ever seen it, but it Ryan reminded me of Burn Bright, which great mm, movie, but uh, it fell underneath the radar for a lot of people. Yeah, What's it called? Superman. Mm-hmm. Looks like they set up for a sequel too, but never really saw it coming out. What's it called Burn Bright? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it's on Tubi. Burn bright. It's bright burn. For a dark, a dark live action evil Superman. Do it. Bright burn. Yes, yes, yes. I remember the advertisements for this, and this kid has these like powers, but he's like, like maybe you should use your powers for good. No. <laughs> oh, the mask like, they picked for him so ominous. Just genius. Oh, in the yeah. way they made when he flies into somebody. And their body just like yeah, a water balloon. You would like, you would like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Something of that speaking heading towards somebody is like, yeah, they just yeah, and that's kind of yeah, invincible. Yes, and yeah, that shows. Yes, the correlation I tied with it exactly. Sweet. Like, what is somebody with this much power? Oh, they just okay. Got it. <laughs> well, let's and see. And went off the deep end. So you can throw a frog against the wall at 80 mile an hour. There's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. We managed to do two hours and 50 minutes about five episodes. <laughs> so that's uh, three to five episodes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you could stack the episodes next to each other and it wouldn't run that long. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, Multiverse of Madness? Sound good for the next one? Yeah, okay. I mean, Any objections to that one? I'm going to yeah. do what I can to be able to watch it. I think I have somebody that I can piggyback off their Disney. So, yeah, uh, I'll figure it out. Is that on Disney Plus? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that, I'll rewatch it. I watched it not too long ago. You know what's bad today is that there's so much. It wasn't that long ago. Back in, I think it was in the 90s when Bruce Springsteen wrote a song, 57 Channels and Nothing's On. It's when cable started becoming ubiquitous. And everybody had all, you know, oh, we've got 100 channels, you know, but there wasn't anything that great. Nowadays, with cable and network and streaming, I mean, there's just so much out there. It's really hard to keep up with all the good stuff that's out there. We are definitely in a golden age right now of entertainment. 
Parker, Matt Stone. <laughs> Thank you, Los Naked Mariachis. I don't think you let me. I think I just found ways to watch it. We went to the movie theaters at a time when South Park was out. And I said I had to go to the bathroom, and I went to watch South Park for a while instead. And the security guard was like, hey, hey, you got to get out of here. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm sorry, I got lost. <laughs> this isn't the bathroom? <laughs> I think the first time I heard about Mr. Hankey was Nick when he was a kid doing an invitation to everyone. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're not flying like flowers. <laughs> 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 Oh, I love that. Terrible. Nick, I forget, did you introduce me or did I introduce you to Mrs. Brown's voice? You introduced me with the the scene, the infamous oh, yeah. Christmas. Jesus, it smells like somebody's shit a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. you guys haven't seen Mrs. Brown's voice, it's hilarious. I'm going to have to rewatch it. I saw a lot of it with Nick. It was a good show. Yeah. All right, I'll get your legs apart and you get my ass off. <laughs> Nick, I did get the box set here a year or two ago. Nice. And then there's more episodes of that still coming out. The nice thing, if you miss an episode of Mrs. Brown's Boys, the nice thing about it is they've been using a lot of the same jokes for so long that you, you didn't miss it. It's hard to find the movies that they made. They made like independent films before they had a show. And it's all of their content. They just they just started putting it on um, on stage for a TV show. That's hilarious. I feel like we could sit here and talk forever, but I think after three hours I'm gonna call it. I need to 
Oh shit, what's the name of the show? The one that we're gonna watch. Oh, the movie. Um Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Doctor Strange Two, gotcha. Oh, well I did see that already. Okay, good. So I'm the only guy, gotcha, cool. You haven't seen it? Oh you're you're in for a treat. Yeah, it's good. Excellent. I, I do like mind busy stuff. Yep. Yeah, there's nobody described it as Marvel's first horror movie. Yeah, kind of. I feel like they took the horror out of it. Yeah, I mean, there's some horror aspects of it near the end and stuff. And... What did they do to Bruce? What did they do to him? Which one's Bruce? Bruce Campbell? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> what did they do to that guy? <laughs> Dude, I thought it was hilarious. He got his possessed hand back. He'll I never was so escape that. To see Bruce in a hero movie. I'm, uh, oh god, I can't wait till he comes up. Okay, well, anyway, we'll talk about that next time. Oh my god, you just sold it for me. Just knowing that Bruce Campbell's in it, that's it. I have to watch it now. That's and he's in the in credit sequence. How's that? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a hint. No, Yeah. Yeah, this is a good time to end the episode. Had a lot of fun chatting with y'all. Um we'll shoot for two hours or less on the next one. <laughs> oh yeah. I might do a little bit of editing. Yeah. All right, that concludes the first podcast episode of Shit, What Did We Call It? Shit, What Did We Call It? Yay! Great episode. I try to look back through our chats and have no idea. Wait, wait, I found it. Couch Potato Masters. Okay, that's what I'm going to this. I knew there was some sort of dick joke thrown in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Master debaters. We could say Couch Potato Master Debaters. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> potato buzz. All, all in favor of Couch Potato Master Debaters, say aye. I mean, yeah, it sounds like a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing going on. <laughs> I say, why not? Alright, guys. This has been fun. Love y'all. Talk to you later. Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> Ooh-wee. That was-